Hello, everybody. You are listening to Limited Playtime, the board game podcast where we bring you board game reviews in 30 minutes or less. Or the next episode is free. I am Kyle Bolin. And I'm Jason Cavallari. And today we are going to be talking about Rum and Bones. tight. Yes. <laughs> uh, so this is the sort of runner, uh, not a run-up or a runner-up, but a... Uh, a second edition of Rum and Bones, which is a game by Cool Many or Not. I guess that now they are just CMON, C-M-O-N. Um, and it is designed by Michael Schinnell. Uh, it is a game that is intended for two to six players and has a playing time listed as 30 to 75 minutes, which I that think is... is kind of a lie. <laughs> it's quite a spread. I think they gave themselves a little bit of cover there. <laughs> Can you imagine having a game of this that only went 30 minutes? No, absolutely not. We must be playing it wrong, right? Right. <laughs> okay. This is a game that Jason and I have played exactly two times, which is obviously, uh, at this point, our favorite number of plays for any particular game. We played it once in uh, Gen Con 2017. Uh, we played it in a setting where it was two of us on a team and uh, one of our other friends, Phil, on a team with uh, somebody that we did not know who was playing at Gen Con. Oh, God. So, what was his name? I don't remember. I feel like it was something weird like Tex. Sure. <laughs> Our new Tex, friend Tex. <laughs> Tex the pirate. Right. Um. Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember his name. I, I I remembered the guy's name that we played uh the cowboy game with for a while. Uh, Great uh, Western Trail. Yeah. Great Western yeah. Trail. I remember his name for a while, but now that escapes me. I want to say it was Ben, but I don't know that it was. Oh, ben that actually anymore. sounds right. It sounds right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It could be Ben. Sure. Why not? <laughs> okay. So Rum and Bones. Rum and yep, Bones yep. is a game where you have uh it's basically like hmm, saying it's two to six players, I believe, is a little bit of a stretch because it's really one versus one. It is modeled after the MOBA genre of video games. Right. The uh, uh multiplayer online battle arena. Yeah. Uh I don't does that mean anything to anybody? I think MOBA, <laughs> right? <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, it's a, an arena in the sense that it's two teams, I guess, yeah, yeah. against I mean, each other. Yeah. So, Dota. So, um, yeah, Dota, League, League of Legends, Legends Heroes yeah, of the Storm. The, exactly, those types of games, right? Yep. So you've got, you've got on either side, you've got three heroes that uh, that player or that team is controlling, and then you also have their minions or creep or whatever they call them. What do they call them in this game, Jason? Uh, their deckhands or the crew. The crew. Crew, the crew. Yeah, that's right. That's the word we're looking for. The, that is the official Rum and Bones name for the creep, right? Yep. Uh, and this is a game where you do have lanes, like in the MOBAs. You've got basically like one large boat in the middle that belongs to... Uh, the Deep belongs, Lords. Yes, the Deep Lords, which are the sort of like uh, fantasy Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles versions of pirates. So yeah, they're, they're, all they're like, the fish people. Yeah, yeah. They, they're all like a, an amalgamation of different types of like fish or sea creatures and people. Uh, so they look straight out of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh, and then on the sides, you've got two smaller boats that have like gangplanks that connect them to the larger boat, which are the lanes. And that is where the human side, uh, right. The, basically uh, comes from Maria de la Muerte faction. Wonderful. That was beautiful. <laughs> Thanks. 
Uh, so you've got they're more of a Olay. human. They're all humans, right? I mean, like some of them are more exaggerated than you know your typical human uh, because these are definitely characters, just like in any sort of computer MOBA. Uh, yep. But they are the human-looking ones. They don't have shark heads or anything like that. Yes, unlike the other team. Correct. Yes. Um, so each one of these different heroes um, ha- comes with a set of abilities. Um, again, much like in a in a MOBA. So you would get a hero in a MOBA, and it would have probably three or four abilities that would bind to the Q, W, E, and R keys. Um, these characters have uh, three abilities. Uh, you kind of have to um, purchase them at certain points, unless it says that you come with them uh, immediately. Um, and then over the course of the game, you acquire gold through various actions, usually through eliminating deck hands or heroes of the opposing team. Uh, and you would spend those coins on purchasing and upgrading your skill abilities. And in a lot of, I think in the, the human side's abilities, like that was the, the faction that I was playing, a lot of the abilities required the expenditure of gold in order to use them as well. Yeah, it sort of depends on the abilities sometimes too. So for example, a lot of the figures, a lot of the characters that I was playing with, um, you would have to upgrade it to level two before you could use it. And then as soon as you used it once, it would go back down to level one. Yeah, And yeah. so you would have to keep repaying for it. Uh, every time you used it mm-hmm. uh, well and which was you know uh, i guess sort of a good thing because those abilities tended to be like really really powerful abilities yeah yeah so you know not things that you would want to have constantly because they would be way overpowered mm-hmm. yep. right so the point of the game is you are trying to take your guys from you know if i'm if i'm the humans i'm coming from the outside boats move them into the into the inner boat which is you know uh the the, uh, the deep lord deep boat. lord's boat right <laughs> and i you're trying to get a certain number of basically victory points right i mean they've got their own name for it and i've forgotten what it is do you remember jason uh i do not <laughs> okay they look like skulls right All right maybe um <laughs> Or something. <laughs> are little? Uh, are they little squids or something? I don't know. I don't remember. Uh, They're victory points. <laughs> They're is. victory points. They're victory and points. You get a victory point anytime you eliminate one of the other players' uh, heroes, right? Yep. Um, um, you and... can also get them by eliminating the other players' objectives. Yes. Uh, so on each boat, there are features. Um, so there's like the the main mast or the steering wheel or the uh, weapons Cannons. cache or whatever. Yeah. yeah. And uh, if the opposing team's heroes and or creep uh, destroy one of those objectives, um, then you get, I think it's maybe three victory points or something. It depends on, yeah, it depends oh, on it's the actually, Yeah, it's actually the on the tile, yeah. Yeah, it yep. is, and, and, and it varies, but they, they tend to vary, I think, between like three and, and two. six or something. Does it go up to I don't think it goes I, up to six, does it? Oh, I don't know. That's like practically half of what you need to win, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, actually, it's probably not six. It's probably around three, yeah, three or four, yeah. maybe. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it maxed out around three, maybe four, something like that. Um, but then some of them would also give you like some other uh, perk or like a certain amount of gold or something like that. I, I yeah. think that it wasn't just the victory points that you get from destroying those um, those 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 structures or whatever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's some um, added benefit. Um, yeah. Which. Which we don't remember terribly well, because when you and I played the last time, we pretty much just jammed up the lanes and just hit each other on the head the whole time. <laughs> yeah, uh, there wasn't a whole lot of actually being able to reach the objectives in no, the first place. No, um, which may be why we didn't have anywhere close to a 30-minute game. Right, yeah. I mean, we spent most of the time just sort of eliminating each other's 
right. figures. Which meant that there were fewer heroes on the board the whole game. Yeah. Uh, which meant that we were just going up one victory point at a time rather than making yeah. jumps of two and three. I think there was uh, one point at which there was like only one hero left on the board because all the other ones were right in timeout. Right. <laughs> yeah. So um, our game, our game, our last game went quite a while. Uh, you know, I, I think that the first game, the one that we did at Gen Con, lasted quite a while as well. But that was probably more to do with us learning the game in yeah. a very loud environment where it was difficult to get answers. Like, yeah. we had to have somebody like go and chase down the the guy that was running the all the games and, and ask questions every now and then, and yeah, he might have yeah. been in the middle of something. So you know, and plus there, there, were, there were four some of downtime. us playing. Right, right, right. Yeah, so there was double the amount of people that had to make decisions. Yeah, and ask questions and everything. Yeah. yeah. Um. But but even under those conditions, we came away from our game of Run and, Rum and Bones at Gen Con pretty excited about it. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> I, I think that over the entire weekend, you and Phil and I kind of all agreed repetitively that it was the most fun we had playing a board game. Um, yeah, at Gen I, Con. I would certainly agree with that. Uh, yeah. I mean, from beginning to end, it was just... And even though you know, we were sitting there and we were sort of being schooled on how to play by the guy that was teaching us um it still was just sort of fun it was really thematic really sort of straightforward in terms of what the objective was <laughs> yeah. um and not a whole lot in the way of strategy although you know how you use your uh your different heroes and their abilities are sort of the main meat of the strategic gameplay it's um, not a brain burner by any means no, not at um, all. It, it tends to be very breezy and fun uh you know I, and and you feel it does a really good job of cashing in on its theme. It, it captures the the feeling of being a pirate extremely well for a board game, I believe. Yeah. Um. You your abilities are you, you've got a character. I had a character that was like some sort of like um, you know, um, swashbuckler, right? And so he was able to just kind of come in and be this whirling dervish of you know, uh, Arrow Flynn type moves and everything. And whenever I used those, it felt like I was doing, I was achieving things. I was, I was coming away with results that you could expect from that sort of a character. Um, and you know, they they have mechanics in the game that are very fun to execute. That uh. That, that that elicit the feeling of being in a in a swashbuckling high high seas adventure game very well, like being able to jump up on the rigging from one boat and slide down oh, into yeah. another boat, and the fact that there's like it's sort of a risk reward thing where you might just fall in the water when right. you do that based on how well you roll, but if you do it, you feel really awesome when you stick the landing and then jab your sword into somebody's chest. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The theme is definitely one of the big perks of this game, uh, even though some of it is sort of like fantasy-like because of the the sort of fish people aspect mm-hmm. of it. Um, but I think even they fit really well into it, um, especially if you're coming from like a Pirates of the Caribbean kind of yeah kind of viewpoint. You know, it is very Pirates of the Caribbean, it <laughs> and it's and it's you know it's it's a little bit hokey in some ways, but it's all it can also be like really funny. Um, some of the ability names are are pretty hilarious. Um, mm-hmm. I think I, the first time we played, I was playing one of the the human people, and one of my characters was um he was like a taskmaster or something like that. Yes. He was a big Spanish dude with a whip. Yes. And one of his ability, I mean, his main mechanic was that he could uh, sort of uh, bring the deck hands up into a frenzy and make them a little bit more powerful. And one of his abilities was called try harder. Mm-hmm. Uh, where basically he just sort of whips the crew yes. <laughs> into into trying harder to kill the opposing team. Uh, and it's stuff like that, you know, that's a little jokey, it's a little hokey, uh, a little cheesy, <laughs> but also really funny. 
if you are the type of person that can get into this as a theme, and if you're the type of person that's going to, at the table, say, try harder, and you're going to sort of <laughs> role play the whole thing, you are going to have a phenomenal time playing Rum and Bone Second Tie. And that <laughs> that is the type of people we happen to be. Yeah, <laughs> yes, we are those idiots. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, you know. And of course, it helps when Kyle starts playing the Pirates of the Caribbean theme music in the background. It does help. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I highly recommend playing the theme music to Pirates of the Caribbean when you play this game. <laughs> um, there's a couple other aspects of this game that we didn't touch on. Um, they're sort of... Uh, well, one of them is sort of like an AI mechanic uh, in the terms of... Uh, that At a certain point in the game, if certain mechanics go a certain way, the game can summon a monster, uh, the Kraken, uh, that will basically try and eat whatever team is closest to it. And, and let's just for a second here, pause. The Kraken is like as big as a ship. It like, it like comes up <laughs> out of the water between two ships and it is like the length of the ships. So it yeah. is like a massive thing that takes up basically like three whole spaces worth of, uh, of board and yep. will attack. Yeah. Like Jason said, anybody that's near it. Um, but it also has uh, a value to it in terms of victory points. Yeah, and this is actually how Kyle managed to win the second game we were playing because yeah. at that point in the game where the Kraken showed up, I think I was winning pretty handily. Mm. <laughs> give me no. this, Kyle. Just give it to me. <laughs> okay, <laughs> sure. <laughs> yes. I was winning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jason was running away with the game. <laughs> Uh, anyway at that point i feel like i was winning um and kyle really went for this uh sort of risk reward strategy where the kraken showed up and he was like all right well i i can win this game if i manage to take out the kraken uh-huh uh which was a big if <laughs> well i had a lot of extra moves uh or, or actions left after i killed it i had like yeah. at least two or three more additional actions on i mean there's a certain amount of chance it. with the kraken because i mean first of all it has a lot of health it has way more health yeah, than anything does. else um but the the attacks that it can do are sort of determined by by chance it has uh three abilities like all the other characters uh but you roll a die and based on what you roll that's the attack that it will use so there's a bit of luck involved with your interactions with the with the kraken yeah i felt like the real risk though was the uh there was two risks uh, one is I was weighing the the probability that I would kill the Kraken and that would get me to the point total that I needed uh, against how many actions it would take for me to get into position to attack some of the structures on your ship and the mm -hmm. point total that those were worth. That's what I was really weighing that. And also the real risk was that I would get him down to say like one or two health and then the round would end. You uh, would revive your guys and then you would be able to oh, go in there and hit him it. with the last hit and then win. That's, that's what I was really weighing in my brain when I said it was risk reward. It wasn't that he was going to hit me back so hard because I was hitting him. Uh, like that wasn't part of the mechanic. It was just whether or not I was going to soften him up for you and then you, you could swoop in and take the win then. Right. Yeah. And that, but ultimately you actually, you did manage to, yeah, no, I to kill I the thing him. and you got, yeah. and you got the points that you needed to win. Yeah. And I want to, I want another game. <laughs> um, so that's, that's one of the other mechanics. The other one is that, um, there's each team gets a deck of, uh, I think they're called tide cards. Yes. Um, yes. And they, you get a certain number of them, you know, throughout the game, and each one of them has usually a, a fairly powerful and useful ability that you can, yeah. uh, that you can play. Yeah, they're pretty cool. Um, they they definitely can swing around um the other way. Yeah, yeah, it's true. 
Um, and you, I, one of my favorite ones is that you you get a chance to summon a sea monster like that yeah. will fight on your oh, behalf, <laughs> which happened to us during the first game when we were on a team. It did. Uh, Phil, Phil took great monsters. joy in that. <laughs> oh yeah, no, he's still taking great joy in that to this day. I think that he's off like traveling around hotels and just you know like giggling inside his hotel bar about that time that he summoned a sea monster on us. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. No, I wouldn't either. <laughs> only half joking. Um, so yeah, so I mean, the, so the the cards add uh, you know a little bit of a little bit more flavor, a little bit more uh, more options for you to be able to uh, do different things with your with your team and and mm-hmm. things like that. Yeah. So drawbacks, right? Mm-hmm. We should probably touch on those whenever we talk about a game, especially one that we're a, a little bit maybe overly excited about like this one um Mm -hmm. because i've thought about it and you know like we were saying before we started recording that we're surprised a little bit that this isn't a little bit higher in terms of popularity on say like board game geek and when i really think about it 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 makes some sense to me um the the game is it, it is listed as two to six players and we played it with four but it kind of feels like a little bit of some yeah. BS, you know, yeah. because because what you end up doing is in especially in the case of us splitting it up between two teams of two, uh, Jason ended up having to control the taskmaster guy and then the the deck and hands, the, the crew, yeah. Which how exciting is that? Yeah, you because know, like the crew moves on a predetermined path. Yeah, uh, you know they don't they don't have a choice of abilities. You know, all no. they do is just move and attack stuff. All you did was really roll dice, right? Yeah. You're just like, well, I guess I'm going to roll the dice for these guys, which could have been, you know, that, that could have been a machine could have done that, you know? Right, yeah. Um, and then I was controlling the two heroes, so I think I was having maybe, like, a little bit more stuff to do. Now, we would, you know, consult each other on what we were going to do with, you know, his character versus in my characters and everything. And so if you're the type of person that wants to team up with somebody so that you can have a conversation about what's the best thing to do in this situation, then it's probably going to serve you pretty well. But if you're the kind of person that wants... Uh, a, a more cooperative game where both people on a team are making their own decisions and it's very meaningful and you know like there's other games that you know keep certain information from the other player on your team so that you end up having a little bit of chaos in terms of how you work together and everything um, and it can't be the perfect turn uh, it, it's not going to do that for you it's, it's yeah. very much it's very much a two-person game that yeah. if you want to, you could, you know, kind of shoehorn it into a uh, a higher player count game. But I, I don't yeah. know who's going to want to be the person in a six-player game that just controls the crew, you know? Right, yeah. I mean, I, I think if you play it on, in teams, it lends itself really heavily towards quarterbacking, which oh yeah a lot of people just aren't gonna sit real well with i mean because it's not like you're actually playing the game it's just sort right. of like one person is playing the game and asking for your for your consent yeah. <laughs> Qu- quarterback is telling everybody what to do and they're just carrying out the plan right yep. yeah yeah exactly um I, I feel like i mean i we still enjoyed the game i think when we played it with four players uh, oh yeah I, no i'm like we said it was our favorite game of the show yeah uh but was, i think was... i definitely enjoyed the experience of playing it more when it was just the two of us yeah, I, I think so. eh, I, I had fun both times. Honestly, I, I had a, I had a great time, but the the board game experience was deeper and more meaningful playing it just the two of us. Mm-hmm. But the theme of the game is so rich, and we tend to enjoy these whimsical, fun themed games, especially when they have very colorful, fun miniatures like this one does. 
Um, You and I are children when it comes to (laughs) our board game tastes, and this is a great game for people like us. So we had a a great time at Gen Con. I I don't want to, like, downplay the amount of fun that we had on on playing it uh, as a team. I I just think it's good to point out that if you come to this game looking for uh, a a very rounded, well-rounded team game, it's probably not that. But we still had a great time with it, you know? Yeah, that's true. Um, um, I, there's another drawback for me and probably for a lot of other people is that I don't think the game really lends itself well to a whole lot of, uh, replayability or even yes. like a variance in the way that the game is going to play. Right. Um, the base game itself only comes with a handful of characters, which is where, where the real variation comes. Yeah. Was um, it maybe six per, no, it's probably like four per side, right? Something like that. And you choose a team of three out of the yeah. ones that are available. Um, well, now I have, I I'm sort of lucky enough to have like a bunch of the expansions which provide you with extra factions and different you know, different mercenary heroes that you can play with and so there's a lot of mix and match there but if you just get the base game you're given a very limited set of heroes um, and the game is probably going to play more or less the same every time you play it um, with very slight variation based on the abilities of the heroes. Um, yeah. So I can see that this game might get really tired really quick. Especially when the, like we said, the actual strat- strategy to the game isn't actually all that deep. So you're, you know, in a game of chess, you've got the same pieces and the same moves available every single time, but people could play chess a million times and never play the same game twice. Uh, this game isn't going to have the kind of depth that a different game would have. So it is going to start to feel very samey very quickly. Um, so, you know, that was going to be one of the other things that I mentioned is that if you happen to be able to get one of the Kickstarter versions of this game that came with all of the uh, the add-ins and everything that you got from the, the, the backer goals, then it's a great value because you're going to get, you know, I don't, I don't know, I, I was looking at, at those aftermarket Kickstarter bundles after we played it at Gen Con, and I think it was around like 120 or so that somebody was asking for. And, yeah. you know, for 120, that's a big that's a big investment for a board game, but for the amount of stuff you got, it felt it felt okay. Um, but if you had to go to retail and buy all of those things in addition to the base game, you're going to end up spending a whole lot more than that, and you're going to need to spend at least at least 120, I would think, in uh, in expansion stuff in order to get the kind of replayability out of this that you might get out of most other board games that we you know that we've come to expect out of board games. Yeah, I would say that's that's accurate. I mean, one yeah. of the good things, I guess, is that it's not. Um, I don't think it's a terribly popular game, so that's going to probably keep the cost low if you do go after it on eBay or so. But it's still kind of an investment um, if you want to get you know the amount of variety uh, that you get from getting the whole kit and caboodle. Yeah. Um, but you know that said, you know the 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 flaws as they are, I still think this game is a lot of fun. Yeah, I. If you are a child, like we are, who loves uh, well-designed pieces, fun, colorful pieces, fun, colorful theme, wants to sit down and pretend they're a pirate for an hour and <laughs> really sort of, like, get into the theme of the whole thing and RP those abilities and RP the roleplay. Roleplay, you know, all the actions that you're doing and everything. And I don't mean you necessarily have to sit down and actually roleplay like you're playing a... Uh, you know, Dungeons and Dragons or something like that, but I just mean you know you get into it and you like to do a little pirate voice here and there, uh, and you know maybe put on a put on the Curse of the Black Pearl in the background or something like that. Then, <laughs> if you are the type of person that gets into that and thinks you're going to have a fun Friday night doing that with your friends, then this is a game you will 100% enjoy. Absolutely. 
If you're the kind of person that wants a board game that is a heavy miniatures game with all kinds of strategic depth and the sort of thing that's going to be replayable for the rest of your life, then you probably should keep looking. <laughs> yeah, I would 100% agree with that. But yeah, uh, from us, for us, for the types of people that we are, this is a game that we very much enjoy and very much look forward to playing every time. So, Absolutely. Yep. All right. Now, next week, we will be talking about... We were talking about two games, and I'm not exactly sure where we landed on this. So are we going to be going with the Salem game, or are we going to be going with the Fireball game? Um, I'm going to say let's go with the Fireball game. Oh, wow. Okay. I was expecting the other one. But <laughs> this is timely. Yes. Yeah, so the timely. Fire, yep. Fireball Island just happened to go up. Uh, the, the, the remastered or the remade version of this just happened to go up on Kickstarter the, the other day. And I was like, holy cow, we just played the original when I was out at Jason's house. So we are going to be talking about Fireball Island, the one from the 80s, not the new one. We haven't had the opportunity to touch that one just yet. But we will be talking about the original Fireball Island oh, on our next episode. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so next week, look forward to us talking about a literal children's game, not a game made for adult children like we are. <laughs> right on <laughs> <laughs> alright thanks everybody we'll see you in one week alright later <laughs> <laughs>